Hey, welcome to the Bookkeeper's Voice, the go-to business management podcast for Australian bookkeepers running a business. Tune in for practical lessons, inspiring stories, guest speakers and resources to help you work smarter in the way you do business. And now your host, Amy Hook, is here to help you build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love. Good morning, welcome back and thanks for joining me again today. And just before we start, so today we're going to be talking about the bookkeeping project because it's the last Friday of the month or the fourth Friday of the month, I should say. So before I jump into a couple of things that's happened this month in Off The Hook Bookkeeping, I just want to say hello to all our listeners outside of Australia. So I didn't actually realise, but the podcast has some analytics and I went through and I had a little bit of a look at that and it's been uh, great to see our uh, listeners growing. Um, so the first thing that surprised me were what, um, about the number of listeners that we've had on the podcast is the number of men listening to the podcast. So that was actually a surprise for me because in the bookkeeping industry, we're 86% female. Uh, our Facebook group's about 97% female. However, our podcast listeners are 25% male. So about 75% women which is quite different to the other statistics. Uh, so that was kind of cool. I put a little post in um, the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group and I asked who are all these guys listening to the podcast and um, a bunch of them came out of the woodwork. So that was good. But obviously there are, um, you know, there's men out there in our industry, male bookkeepers who are listening to the podcast. So I just want to say hello. Um, it's, um, yeah, it was just, just a bit of an eye opener because I didn't, you know, obviously because of the the ratios in the industry and the ratios of our, um, you know, our followers and, and the members of our um, savvy community, uh, because the percentages are so, are so low, that number actually took me by surprise. Uh, so the other thing that took me by surprise is all the different countries where we've got listeners coming in from. So uh, obviously Australia was number one, uh, very closely followed by the USA, Canada, uh, the UK and New Zealand. Um, so those ones didn't really surprise me, um, but the ones that did surprise me were the rest of the list. So we have listeners coming in from Spain, Germany, Philippines, Indonesia, Serbia, Japan, uh, Fiji, South Africa, Vietnam, Switzerland, Cuba, Israel, Malaysia, Argentina, and Armenia. So hello to uh, everybody listening in from all of those different countries. It was just a huge eye-opener for me because it just made me realise what that you know, we're a global community of bookkeepers and it wasn't really something that was on my radar before, you know. Obviously, I just sort of think a lot about the Australian bookkeeping industry. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so welcome to all, the, all of our bookkeepers in the big wide world, <laughs> worldwide <laughs> bookkeeping family. And, um, you know, thanks, th thanks for listening in. I, I really don't uh, know how you guys found the podcast, but I'm glad that you did. Um, and so it's good to have you along. So for those of you who are just listening in for the first time today, we're talking about the bookkeeping project. The bookkeeping project is basically a little experiment that I started at the start of the year, which was to start my bookkeeping business up again from scratch. 
and kind of share insights into what I'm doing in the business. So I got another new client this month, which was, uh, that was really nice, nice, smooth onboarding process, which I've got uh, down pat now. I've got all my documentation in place and even, um, so this month I finished off, um, I did my, um, set up my new client forms with a little survey at the bottom so I can collect feedback as soon as the client, as soon as the client signs up. I like to track feedback from my customers as, you know, as they go along the journey, just to kind of see how they're, what their experience is like with the onboarding process. And as they go, kind of go through various steps. So whenever I create um, any kind of form that a client has to fill out, I always put a rating at the bottom. Um, I ask them how many stars out of five, and then I ask them to say, why did they give that many stars? Uh, Just to kind of collect that little bit of um, feedback there. So I'm using, um, this awesome software called Airtable. Um, I'll actually pop a link in the notes for you because uh, this is a software that I've been using amongst the Savvy community. I discovered it through another bookkeeper. Um, She just mentioned it um, in a session and I thought, wow, where have you been all my life? I have been struggling with um, Asana for some time. I really, it was just one of those softwares where I logged in and I just felt like I could never find anything or I just never knew what I was looking at. It made me feel very confused. And so, um, you know, I guess after 12 months of kind of wrestling with that um, I found Airtable. Now it's not exactly the same thing, but when I asked this lady who told me about it, when I asked her what is Airtable, she said to me, "It's kind of like a database and a spreadsheet and a to-do list." And a, I was like, "Oh, okay, that didn't make sense to me at all." But when I saw it, I thought, "Wow, this is kind of amazing." So their tagline is "Organize everything" or something like that. Organize pretty much everything or something and really since I've been using it I've been organizing pretty much everything with it so um, we've been working um, on setting up our kind of workflow in there so we've got a a little um, what do you call it Uh, we've got a work in progress uh, one set up and we've got one called team priorities which we're using to to just kind of keep a track of any tasks that are non-client related that people are working on and that sort of thing. So we're just using Airtable for that. So we're just using it to pretty much organize everything. And we also use it for um, completing some templates and things like that for our clients and sharing information. So that's been fun. Now, although that has been fun, um, I've also been setting up my new CRM, which has been great, um, integrating that with Pandadoc, which I use for my proposals, another very handy um, software for getting all your stuff done. So I got all my STP documentation done this month, which has been very good. I actually ran um, a webinar to, um, I'm running another one shortly as well, um, to kind of show um what was happening in the STP workflow area of, um, uh, yeah, so I've done that and um, I'll be running another one again shortly. Um, So I'll just pop all links for everything that I mentioned in here, obviously, as I usually do. Um, But yeah, so I've been really this month has sort of been about getting organized, you know, obviously things get busy and then you get a bit all over the place and then you kind of pull things together again. So that's been my world 
for the last month. So um, very focused on STP, getting all the STP documentation and all that sort of thing sorted. Um, so that's been a kind of big thing to, to get over. And then also doing my own STP for my own team and everything like that has been um, also um, fun. So um what else is happening so even though yeah even though i've had a good good run with Airtable this month and with the new crm i am finding myself really i'm in fr software frustration land at the moment um i don't know about you but i really i don't know i think i have a bit of a love-hate relationship with software programs these days so when i first started off the bookkeeping the first time around I was like wow like I just thought software all these software programs were so amazing and I was so excited and I'd be able to learn a new software program in five minutes and 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 all that kind of thing and then I kind of got a little bit obsessed with um trying to find like the perfect software setup where everything integrated seamlessly and really like making my workflow all electronic and automated and you know I kind of became obsessed with automation and all sorts of things and that was in a way sort of how Savvy became a business in the first place I guess through this evolution of searching through different software platforms and everything I Savvy kind of evolved from that um, and yeah. So anyway, it was all happy days for quite some time. And I think about, I'm going to guess about six months ago, it actually happened. And it's this month, it's kind of come to a bit of a head, but about six months ago, my brain just suddenly went no more software programs. <laughs> it was like my brain just rebelled on me. So up until that point, I was very excited about always, you know, trying these new platforms and sort of getting everything to be set up properly. And then I reached a point about six months ago where I realized it's never going to happen. <laughs> I real I started to realize that this, um, this idealistic view of a seamless, perfect, um, ecosystem of softwares that's going to help me operate my business in a completely automated fashion is not real. Um, that it's actually, um, pretty much a complete fantasy <laughs> um, not completely I guess but it's um you know I I think this it was this month so about six months ago my brain started going I don't want to learn any more software programs we've learned enough software programs now and then what happened is once so once your brain gets to that point then there's kind of the next stage where you're sort of wanting to not do the software programs anymore but you haven't found the perfect system yet and so you're still kind of going along trying to figure it out and then this month my brain just did a double no like a like a big kind of I'm so over trying to figure out this perfect system <laughs> um yeah I just kind of had a bit of a software meltdown in a way so a couple of things went wrong and um yeah I guess I just kind of had this big eye opener that like I sort of started to realize what I was trying to do that I was trying to perfect it too much and then also the other thing that I realized as well is that um 
you know, I tried to save money. So when I look at but the, one of the reasons I got into all of these different softwares is because I was always looking for a cheaper way to do everything. So I'd see a software program and, you know, be quite expensive. And I think, oh, there must be a cheaper way to do this. And, you know, I can kind of do it myself. And so I went on a bit of a mission to find um, these better solutions. And, you know, I wouldn't really listen inside our industry. I'd always jump outside the industry. I'm like, oh, you know, bookkeeping industry is so, you know, small and we only ever hear about certain types of software. So I don't want to use the ones that everyone recommends in the industry. I want to use my own, the ones that I research on my own. And I want to kind of come up with my own ecosystem of, um, you know, software add-ons and everything. And so, yeah, basically that was my journey. And then what's, what's happened is I've gone and done a complete loop and I've come back to some of the original software that I was looking at right at the start. And I thought, wow, like if I had have actually purchased this more expensive software at the start, um, instead of trying to kind of perfect everything, I probably would have saved like thousands, probably actually, let's be truthful, tens of thousands or more of, of dollars trying to, you know, um, yeah, that, that I wasted trying to sort of figure it out. So anyway, lesson learned, thankfully a valuable lesson. And the good thing about it is that a lot of the bad expensive lessons that I've learned with trying to get this perfect workflow system has meant that I've been able to actually, you know, once I figure it out, I'm able to share it with you guys. I, I share things with the savvy community once I've gone through all of the trial and errors and maybe I've tried 10 different ones and, and all that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so that's been good, but it's been, you know, it's been good to kind of realize that, you know, not everything has to be perfectly opti um uh, perfectly automated and I think that you know it's easy to get addicted to automation and things like that but the thing is I kind of reached a point where I'm like I don't even like automation anymore I'm just going to go back to like sending manual emails and things like that and so I've gone through and I've been setting up a whole bunch of different um, um, email templates and things like that um, so that I can kind of manually email people and especially when I'm talking about you know the marketing side of things as well you know like everybody knows when they're getting an automated email marketing email and it's really impersonal and and so I you know I find that people respond a lot better if I do regular normal emails as well which is nice um, so just kind of I guess for me the big lesson this month is stepping back a little bit from trying to automate everything perfectly and just go, okay, like there's going to be some systems that are not perfectly set up in this um, seamless workflow and that's actually okay. Um, and then I guess the other thing that I realized as well is that a lot of the over automation and over analytical workflows that I was trying to create, some of it came as a result of having staff that weren't, where I needed those staff to be. So, and it was a bit of um, hangover from, you know, previous to starting the bookkeeping business back up again, but I'd had an admin um, staff member who needed to be micromanaged because she wasn't really wasn't at that level. And I started to notice this sometimes when I meet with, uh, with meet with my clients as well. And I hear them, you know, talking about um, their workflow and their automation and everything. Um, it sort of reminded me of this, but it's actually, 
when you have staff members on your team that really don't know how to be proactive and kind of, they don't really know how to do things, you will actually find yourself tending towards having to create more and more very detailed systems. Um, whereas if you have competent staff, then your, your systems and your processes only kind of need to be outlines. They don't need to be micro step by step. And so I started to realize that a little while ago and I have seen, you know, I speak to my clients and sometimes when they're talking about these very, very detailed, detailed systems that they're trying to create I kind of you know would then say okay like we will have it start to have a look a little bit of a look at their staff and the, and the team that they're working with and actually just maybe have a little bit of a peek at whether um, the the overuse of systems is really to try and compensate for incompetent staff um yeah so that, i guess that's a question worth asking if you know if you found yourself in that situation um you know maybe that's something that's going on there i mean look team frustration like i've talked about software frustrations but team frustrations like that's a big real reality as well like obviously software can become very frustrating and every software you know, promises to be able to reduce staff time and things like that, but it never, it doesn't always <laughs> um, work out that way. And then, I mean, yeah. And then obviously the frustrations that you can have with your team members, like I can't count how many bookkeepers that I've met with this year. They're just, just talking about some of the difficulties in, in um, being able to build a team, you know, whether you have um, great staff who leave too frequently or you have staff that you have to micromanage and things like that. Like it, it can, it can actually be really hard. And then, you know, obviously once you get a great staff member, you want to keep them, but um, you know, obviously that doesn't always work out as well. You know, managing staff is a, um, it is an entirely different skill set to bookkeeping. It, it's like, you using the other side of your brain, basically, you know, like having to, um, you know, be analytical and look at spreadsheets all day long and, you know, work in accounting software is the other side of the brain to what it takes to actually like coach and mentor people and um, nurture team members and, and, and get to know them and spend time training them and everything like that. So you're engaging the other side of your brain. So, um, you know, I think, um, I mean, I know for me as a bookkeeper for many years, I, um, you know, like that one side of my brain was worked very, very hard. And the other side was kind of, you know, um, quite weak and when I first started managing staff for the very first time I just remember thinking like as soon as a staff member would talk to me and I was trying to concentrate on something analytical I just it felt like my brain's going to explode it's like oh my gosh like why are you talking to me it's like it's very frustrating it's very frustrating frustrating to be able to switch from this kind of engrossed detail into um you know having a conversation with somebody who's interrupting you <laughs> and I remember saying to my boss at the time um this is when I was working in the accounting firm he said to me um he was the one that explained to me he said well it's the other side of the brain like the part of your brain that needs to so um converse with somebody and show empathy and understanding towards them it's actually the it's the the other side of the brain and I have, have to think for a second which side of the brain that is because I don't know I don't know about you this is the weirdest thing I've never met anyone else like this except for my stepbrother <laughs> um, who 
like, so I don't know my left from right. Like spontaneously, I always mix the two up. I don't know why, but my brain always sees left and right, like the, to the total opposite. And so the only pe other person who I've met who like has that so chronically like me is my stepbrother. And I remember one day we were driving along and I said to him, um, turn left. And I meant to say turn right. And he turned right because when I said left, he turned right because he mixes up his left and right as well. And so he actually turned the right direction. So he turned the corner and said, oh, sorry, I think it, I turned the wrong way. And I said, no, 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 that's the right way because we both mix up our left and right. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's like when it comes to saying what's left and what's right, my brain always, always swaps it around. So there's a little, um, <laughs> a little bit of um, useless knowledge about me that you've probably never known before. I do not know my left from right. And my husband always says to me, put your hand up. When you put your left hand up then and you put your sticky thumb out, it will be an L shape and it's L for left. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I won't know which hand to put up like, at the time. So when we're in the car and we're driving, I always have to say, go that way and point and he has to do the same to me so anyway um yeah it's it's interesting interesting trying to navigate through life <laughs> like that <laughs> um so anyway so yeah so we're using the two different sides of the brain so i think it's yes it's the left side that's the analytical side and the right hand side of the brain is the creative relational side of the brain so um yeah, just something to keep in mind when it comes to, you know, working with your team and also, or even deciding if you're wanting to have a team because, you know, I think a lot of people when they start their bookkeeping business, they don't actually realize, um, yeah, actually it was funny. So in the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group, I was saying to people like, basically when we first started the group, we made a rule that you weren't allowed to post about bookkeeping in the group. You're only allowed to post about business. And it was really funny. Like no one was ever posting anything in the group. And when I started to ask people why I started to realize that the bookkeepers in the group, like even really smart ones that I knew didn't know the difference between what was bookkeeping and what was business. And because they didn't know the difference, they just never posted anything in the group. And so then after that, like then I had to actually start saying, like to discern like what, what's business stuff and what's actually bookkeeping stuff. So bookkeeping is obviously doing the client work and business stuff is, you know, marketing and, um, you know, sales and onboarding clients and building your team and all that kind of thing. So I know it sounds really obvious, but I guess, yeah, people like, because we're so much in bookkeeping mode and you go online in Facebook groups and to ask technical bookkeeping questions. And so you're kind of in that mindset and every now and then you might ask a question about, you know, something business related, but there's not really kind of that distinction between when you're in business mode and when you're in bookkeeping mode. But, you know, I guess being a bookkeeper versus being a bookkeeping business owner, they're actually two different, they're two different things. And so back when I was a contractor, I used to tell everybody that I had my own business because I was a contractor and I had some clients, but I didn't actually realize that a contractor is not a, is not a business owner. Um, it's a type of business, I guess it's like a micro business or something like that, but it's not this, it's not the same thing. It doesn't, it doesn't require the same skill 
as as running an actual business where you've got a team. So I think in that case you would call, I mean, so you've got a practice. So a practice is really like a practice can be you. So it's sort of like the business revolves around you. Like it's about you and your knowledge. Whereas a business is where you have um, a team and you have systems and you're kind of leveraging off of the team and the business doesn't center around you. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a distinction. I mean, that's a distinction that I'd heard before. So, um, yeah. So anyway, um, you know, building your team can be really frustrating and, um, you know, but I guess it's really just persevering and also understanding the culture now, you know, a lot of workers that you're going to work with are going to be, um, young. Um, I'm going to say the M word millennials. Um, I know a lot of people, um, tend to, you know, put a negative connotation on millennials, but, um, I have a secret to tell you, I am a millennial. <laughs> you never would have guessed it because I am right on the border, like 1980, I was born in 1981. So now, you, now you know how old I am. So 1981, well, actually 1980s, the, the borderline for cutoff date for millennials. I don't know what the younger end is. I can't actually remember, but so William and I, um, my husband and, and I are um, borderline millennials and so is Catherine. So she's our client relationship manager and um, working at Savvy. And so we're borderline millennials and it's really cool being a borderline millennial because when you are, when you sit right and for some of you, you might be borderline on to other generations. So I think, what is it? Gen X, Gen X. So millennials are Gen Y. And so then you've got your Gen X, which is your kind of 1979 and earlier. And then prior to that, you've got your baby boomers. I think that's the next, next one along. So in between baby boomers and Gen X, you've got, you've got your borderline people there. So every, every generation has their borderline people. And so basically, um, yeah, William and Catherine and I are borderline millennials. And so the cool thing about being a borderline millennial is that you're both a like you're a millennial and a Gen X. And the cool thing about that is you have a deep understanding of kind of both. You're sort of sitting in both worlds. Um, and so it's been really cool to be able to, you know, embrace the new way, the younger way of doing things and not being kind of, um, you know, stuck in the old school. So, um, yeah, I guess as you move through the generations, you kind of have mixtures of, of the bordering generations. And so, I think one of the really important things with when it comes to team, because, you know, obviously Catherine and I are the same age and so is William. We're all like basically born in the same year. So we're right on that border, but we love the millennial lifestyle. We love the remote working, working from home. Um, you know, we love the flexibility and, you know, we, we, you know, we want to make a difference in the work that we do and have purpose in our work. And, you know, we love the flexibility. We love to be able to change up what we do and that kind of thing. But, you know, the rest of our team, like the rest of our, um, all the, all the rest of our staff are young. Like they're all like 
like proper millennials, <laughs> like they're millennials that don't have any um, sneaking through gray hairs or anything like that. So <laughs> they have all their hair. So <laughs> they basically, um, yeah, so we've got, a, 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 apart from the three of us, we've got a young team. And so it's really about understanding, um, you know, the different generation of people who are coming through and understanding, um, you know, how to relate to people that are not of the same generation as you and to be able to kind of blend the two together. And that's why I love being on the border as well, because you've got your kind of more, you know, you've got your older generation of people who are more traditional and obviously they are, um, you know, they, they, they've got the depth of knowledge and the long term of knowledge, but then you've got the young people who have got really fresh ways of doing things and different outlooks and to be able to kind of blend the two together. Like I think that, you know, the older generations bring in the stability and the younger generations bring in a lot of, you know, a lot of creativity. And it's not to say that, you know, that, you know, you can't have it the other way around and everything, but it's really, I think being able to understand, um, you know, being able to understand people who are from a different generation to you can actually um, help a lot when it comes to the team. And so, you know, like I'm not saying that everybody who's had bad experiences with staff has done something wrong, um, but there is always a tendency to blame the employees. Um, whereas sometimes I think, like, I don't know, I've seen like various comments on Facebook um, and, you know, heard various bookkeepers talking about their staff and, you know, sometimes I think like the way that they talk about their staff, I just think, oh, like, I don't really blame them for leaving or I don't really, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like it has to work two ways, um, you know, and, you know, if you, yeah, if you're not willing to kind of make it a two-way street and if you kind of, you know, and especially like with, I mean, with millennials, they really don't like being like bossed around, <laughs> um, but they do like some structure. It's just got to be done in, in a particular um, tone, you know, like we, I guess with the respect to know that they can manage their own thing, but, you know, also encouraging them, look, if you don't know how to do something, you're not in trouble, but actually come to me and I can help. So, yeah, so that's all good. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably all we'll cover today. Um, it's just, yeah, it's been a good month, but it's been also a, 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 a challenging month with my brain just going, no, nah, I don't want to like, I don't want to focus on all this automation anymore, but it sort of feels like I'm still going to keep going because the business is not set up the way that I want it yet. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? You've got to live in the tension between knowing that you're not where you want to be and, um, you know, keep making steps forward even when you have those days. And trust me, like I have these days where I'm just like, I don't know if I want to keep going. Like it's too hard. Sometimes it feels too hard. Um, and then you kind of wake up the next morning and you're like back at it. So, um, so anyway, I hope you've enjoyed today and, um, I will see you again next week. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to another episode of the bookkeeper's voice. We'll be back next week. So make sure you subscribe to get future episodes via your favorite podcast app. And if you love this episode, jump on and leave us a review. Are you looking for some resources to help build a more profitable business while creating a savvy brand that your clients will love? Join the Savvy Bookkeeper Facebook group or head to our website, thesavvybookkeeper.com.au. Until next time, stay savvy.